wide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. And this morning, in a a minute, we'll be talking about healthy boating and healthy beaches. But before that, I want to remind listeners that WERU is looking for volunteers to the Full Circle Fair Saturday, um, tomorrow, uh, July 28th, and Sunday, July 29th. To volunteer and get free admission to the fair for both days and a fair T-shirt, please call Joan in the office at 469-6600 during normal business hours. And uh, the latest count is that we need 16 more volunteers to help out at the Full Circle Fair. So do your part and give us a call at 469-6600 if you'd like to volunteer at the Full Circle Fair. Well, as I said, um, our program this morning is going to be on healthy boating and healthy beaches. And on the line with us, um, we have Esperanza Stancioff. Esperanza is a colleague of mine in both Cooperative Extension and the Sea Grant Program of the University of Maine. And she's coordinator of the Maine Healthy Beaches Program. Welcome, Esperanza. Thank you, Ron. Glad you can be with us by phone. I'm going to introduce the other guests here in the studio before we uh, turn back to you. Uh, Jane Disney is here. She's a partner in the Healthy Beaches program, and she's with the Mount Desert Island Water Quality Coalition. Welcome back to Talk of the Towns, Jane. Thanks. Nice to be here. And Bill Golly is with us. Um, uh, Bill is a water quality specialist with Acadia National Park. Welcome to you, Bill. Thank you. It's it's good to be here as well. Great. We'll learn a little bit about how you intersect with the Healthy Beaches program um, in a few minutes. Um, Esperanza, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about your own background and how you came to this this work um, on uh, the, the the question of water quality along uh, Maine's coast. Um, okay, Ron. Um, I um, started with Extension many years ago, twenty to be exact, and. Um, started working with local communities along the coast to look at uh, pollution issues. And um, uh, this was something that we have statewide been looking at for probably 12, 15 years, that um, there wasn't any monitoring happening along the coast for our beaches um, in protection of public health. Um, So uh, in 2002, the Maine Healthy Beaches Program was launched, um, funded uh, through a grant program from U.S. EPA and under the Federal Beaches Environmental Assessment and Coastal Act, Health Act, um, we receive about $250,000 annually for this. And and why are we concerned? Well, you know, you said that um, there hasn't been monitoring done and still, still starting in, in, in 2002. Um, what are the concerns that um, we might have around um, swim beaches along the coast of Maine? Right. Well, uh, when fecal matter from warm-blooded animals, uh, and particularly from humans, um, get in the water, it can cause illness, uh, including uh, primarily gastroenteritis, uh, giardia, and and such things as cholera and typhoid and and so on. Um, And so these sources um, of pollution come from a variety of places and, uh, you know, can affect both human health and the ecosystem. So that um, a beach um, is a place where lots of people go. Um, Sometimes there aren't restrooms at those beaches. Um, So that's part of the problem? Yes, that that is a part of the problem. And that's how we started the program early on. Because this program is completely voluntary, 
at the local level. It's not a mandatory program from a state agency. Um, it's very much a collaborative effort and partnership. And th- because of that, um, we started with uh, very much of an educational campaign, along with the assessment from monitoring and notification um, for public health. Um, however, we found that there are many sources um, in these coastal communities that aren't just generated by beachgoers. Uh, we certainly have uh, poor practices happening at the beach from um, human usage, um, and that, which you mentioned, was is definitely one of those. We have lots of others that are of um, equal uh, or actually more concern to these communities. So, yeah, why don't you provide us a kind of a, a sense of what some of those other issues are that um, we need to be mindful of? Sure. Um, they are, you know, from non-point to point sources of pollution, basically failing septic systems, um, municipal sewer systems that, you know, can mal- malfunction um, uh, through combined sewer overflows or, um, you know, service pipes to homes that might be uh, damaged or broken, um, uh, boats discharging sewage um, into the water, um, you know, those are some of the major things that we look for. So you said this program is voluntary. How do you approach a community um, that might have a, a swim beach um, in it? And what, what's been the, the reaction when, when you've um, approached them with this voluntary program? Well, I have to say we've had great success in Maine with the um, with recruitment of towns, uh, state parks, and uh, most recently the National Park, um, which Bill will tell you about. Um, and I think that uh, people really want to do the right thing at the local level and have done so in almost all cases. Um, and we approach them with, um, you know, a, a structured program that they can uh, be a part of and they provide uh, us the local support. We provide a lot of technical support um, and uh, resources uh, to those communities. So I can imagine um, in southern Maine, especially where uh, beaches are, are definitely part of the, the local economy in the summertime, um, those places might be particularly concerned when they see national news media um, of a number of years ago talking about um, pollution uh, nationally. Um, they want to make sure their beaches are safe so that they can advertise that. Well, that's true. And I think um, some um, research has shown, or survey has shown that Um, basically 60% of our largest industry, which is the the tourist industry, 60% of those folks come to the coast. Um, So it is a huge industry and a big concern for coastal towns. Um, We have done a lot of um, special studies um, as a result of finding, uh, through routine monitoring, uh, problems in the beach with the beach water quality and uh, have done a lot of um, intensive monitoring in watersheds and sanitary shoreline surveys to document that, um, the actual and potential sources of pollution with them. So how does the, the Healthy Beaches program actually work? Let's say a, a town has signed up, um, and there are several in, in this part of uh, the, the WERU listening area, but we'll learn more about that from uh, Jane Disney and Bill Golly in, in a few minutes. But how does it work, um, and what do, what's, um, what do you provide, and what does the, the town or the state park provide? Um, well, it's, it's a little different situation by situation. We certainly provide all of the... Um, field equipment, uh, training, technical assistance, um, uh, or a website, um, an online database to share data, um, uh, assistance with decision-making at the local level, um, and then uh, the, the things that I just mentioned, uh, special studies that 
go beyond the routine monitoring to try to uh, determine what the sources are, and then a facilitated process at the local level, particularly, as you point out, in southern Maine, where most of the of the issues have been. Um, uh, you know, we, we facilitate discussions amongst uh, towns and, uh, and also uh, offer the collaboration of our state agency partners to assist with trying to identify and remediate sources. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about maybe a, a success story that, that uh, you can think of either this year or in the last uh, couple of years where um, you've helped a community find and um, take care of a pollution problem. Well, Jane can speak to her own situation, and I, I can also talk about Lincolnville, which is in our uh, your listening area. Um, that town we've worked with, a, and a beach manager is different in each community um, as far as their role and, um, and their um, their job description. But we worked with the code enforcement officer there, Jana Wood, who was um, very um, much um, on board with trying to find the pollution sources affecting their uh, their beach water quality, and they did have high scores off the beach. Um, and we worked with um, the community um, to uh, look at um, the, the wetland area in back of the beach and the stream coming into the beach that had very high bacteria scores. Um, and we found uh, through a door-to-door uh, dye study in the toilet with Department of Environmental Protection's assistance um, that they were failing septic systems. And the town has worked with those individuals to remediate those sources. So a, a, a dye test, what, how does that actually work? Well, it's actually a, 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 a dye that's put into the toilet and flushed, and then you look uh, at the receiving waters to see if that color comes out in the water. And uh, in some cases... It was very evident. Um, and so, so, so then, so then, the town works with um, homeowners to, to to correct the problems. That's correct. And there were some other practices going on in the community that were um, uh, corrected. Um, a feeding of huge flocks of ducks <laughs> um, that was stopped. That practice was stopped, and um, and their population has decreased. Um, and um, and all of that points. To the fact that they have had very uh, few high scores um, on Lincolnville Beach as a result of all of the work that they've done. So um, people who are going to Lincolnville and want to um, wade in the water or, or actually swim in, in the, the Gulf of Maine, um, they have some assurance. Um, so do they um, actually post um, the, the scores or post um, warnings? How does yes. that all work? Okay. Um, well, the, the town will uh, post we have a main healthy beaches sign, and it uh, the the permanent signs has opened, and then they will place a an advisory or closure depending on the conditions. Um, if the if the scores are if the bacteria scores are higher than a hundred, um, and then they have a resampling. We have a resampling process where they collect other samples until it shows that the water quality is good again. In which case, they will take that uh, advisory or closure sign down. At the same time that they post an advisory closure, they also put that onto our, uh, you know, shared um, uh, database, um, and then that is goes to our public interface, which is 
our MainHealthyBeaches.org website that so, the public can view. So listeners um, to WERU this morning, if they're interested um, in looking at their own beaches, if, if they're participating in the program, they can go to MainHealthyBeaches.org. That's correct. So I'll just remind listeners that they're tuned to uh, Talk of the Towns this morning. We're talking about healthy beaches and healthy boating. Um, right now we have Esperanza Stancioff on the line, and uh, in the studio with us we have Jane Disney, who's um, with the Mount Desert Island Water Quality Coalition, and Bill Golly, who's a water quality specialist at Acadia National Park. Um, Jane, let's turn to you now and, and uh, get some sense of, first of all, um, your own background. You have a, a great background for this work um, as, a, as a former classroom teacher, but you've seen some changes over the years and it kind of led you to do some different things. Tell us a little bit about your story. Well, um, I started monitoring local beaches with high school students back in 1992 as part of the Shore Stewards program. But back then we were using fecal coliform um, as an indicator species and it's it's not the best one to use uh, for determining risk of swimming illness. Um, but we, we did note that we had pollution issues, especially uh, in the Seal Harbor and Stanley Brook area where we were working at the time. Um, over the years, uh, we became um, popular as uh, people would have pollution issues and ask us to come and, and take a look at things. But uh, in 2003, we uh, joined the Maine Healthy Beaches. By that time, um, my students and I had founded the MDI Water Quality Coalition, and I was working outside of the school, still working with young people and, and, and also working with community members. Um, so as part of Maine Healthy Beaches, we were able to switch indicators and, and look at Enercoccus, which is a very good one for determining the risk of swimming illness. Um, and we still had pollution problems where we thought we had them um, and began the process of, of trying to work with residents to mitigate those problems. And so, um, in, in ter- again, talking about the connection between um, Healthy Beaches program and Esperanza's work and, and the support that she provides and what you do, what's the, what's the interface? How does that actually work? You've got volunteers, both students and adults, mm-hmm. who are helping with the monitoring process. Right. Um, how, do the, how do they get trained, for instance? Well, every year the um, staff members from the Cooperative Extension, Esperanza and, and Carrie uh, Lindbergh, um, and sometimes others will come and do a training session with us. So we refresh our skills every year. We're really fortunate to have um, a collaborative project with the MDI Biological Laboratory where we have access to research space so that we have a place um, for training and for um, doing our analysis. So... Um, you know, we, we get retrained, and then we adhere to really strict protocols. We follow the quality assurance project plan laid out by Maine Healthy Beaches, and um, we collect data and uh, issue town manager reports every Friday. To uh, Now we're working with the town of Bar Harbor. Uh, we continue to um, send town manager reports to the town of Mount Desert about the Seal Harbor area, and um, most recently we're working with Acadia National Park to help them um, – analyze their water samples, and, and we share data with them, too. Great. Um, Esperanza, you're still on the line. Esperanza Stancioff. Um, what, uh, Jane has just mentioned quality assurance. Um, tell us, as, as you know, lay people, what that's all about and why that's important. Um, this basically, I think, as I understand it, it says if volunteers are going to be involved, we want to make sure that they're, they're following good procedures so that we can trust the science um, and, the, and the results. Is that right? That's right. Um, things have to be done um, the same way each and every time so that we can uh, be, uh, validate um, our uh, 
program and the, the work that we do. And so um, as part of the program, we have a quality assurance project plan that is about 75 pages long <laughs> and uh, includes everything from every, you know, part of the procedure uh, methodology in the field and the laboratory analysis and everything in between. Um, so everything has to be done uh, each and every time the same way to be um, credible, and that's what we um, provide. Esperanza, you might comment before we let you go that Maine is really in the forefront of um, what has been called citizen science um, going back a number of years having to do with uh, clam flat um, uh, health and, and that sort of thing. And you might just comment about um, that but aspect. Um, agencies are strapped for funding. They often don't have the staff and the, and the time um, that they can devote to protecting um, citizens, and so citizens themselves have gotten involved. Yes, that's correct. We've been, um, I think Maine is just an amazing uh, success story uh, in the nation for that. And this uh, program um, is just another example of how citizens become scientists at the local level. And I think that um, this is not really happening uh, for the the Beaches Act and this this funding to other states in the same way. Um, And I think that what happens as a result is there's hopefully, long-term uh, buy-in and ownership at the local level, uh, and therefore stewardship as well. So I think this is the, the key um, to these kinds of programs. And if I could, can I just put a yes. plug in before yes. I go, Ron, for um, our latest resource? We have, um, it's not online yet, but um, we have lots of copies. They're fresh off the printer um, for our uh, healthy boating equals healthy beaches. And it's a great resource. We work together with lots of people to produce it. Um, and it's going to be a great resource for towns. Uh, we've already gotten, you know, 10,000 orders for them. So, um, uh, and I know that Pam is going to be talking more about that, but I just wanted to let you, you folks know that um, we can, and you can receive one uh, through our office. And how do they contact you? Well, they can uh, contact us through, um, we have an 800 number, one 800 2442104 and that number is probably also on the healthy beaches website so um it, it is great yes. well thanks so, so much for taking time this morning to be with us uh, by phone esperanza Thank you so much for having me on, Ron. Great. Esperanza Stancioff is with the University of Maine Cooperative Extension and Sea Grant Programs, and she's coordinator of the Maine Healthy Beaches uh, Program. Jane, this notion of citizen science, you've um, long held that that students um, should be part of science and and their communities. Um, Tell us about that connection and how you came to that. Well, I think you have to start young when you're getting people to um, adopt habits of mind uh, around how they approach their local ecosystems and the role that they believe that they play in, in protecting local ecosystems. I mean, I started so long ago with this that now uh, students are voters in towns. And um, one of the success stories that we have around Seal Harbor Beach is that, you know, once citizens started monitoring upstream from where the pollution source was and realized the challenges in identifying pollution sources, they got even more active and raised funds to initiate a watershed survey They participated in a watershed survey, which involves visiting each and every property uh, surrounding the stream and and brook. And and we did identify some pollution sources together. And, you know, it turns out that it was individual properties with, 
you know, above ground broken sewer lines, and 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 people took care of the problems on their properties, and water quality improved at at the beach. So here's here's a case where, um, you know, when people are involved and really see what the problem is, they're willing to go the extra to the extra effort to. To, to try to be part of the solution and the fact that these young people um, are now, you know, a lot of them residents in the community and still participating is uh, part of the success story. Great. Well, you've got a long legacy and, and uh, we're, we're glad that you're doing this work and probably inspiring not only um, other teachers and, and other educators, um, but certainly um, each generation of students as well. Bill Golly, we're going to turn to you and, and talk about your engagement um, with um, the Healthy Beaches program as a water quality specialist at Acadia National Park. Um, f- most people know where Acadia is, but probably you could describe it a little bit and then talk about you know, how you get involved in this. Great. Um, well, basically the, the greater part, greatest part of Acadia is uh, on Mount Desert Island, and we also have some, some area on Idaho as well as on the Scudic Peninsula. Um, but uh, the, the main swim beaches that, that uh, we're concerned with are, are down on MDI. And uh, Sand Beach is the uh, primary marine beach. It's a guarded beach and, and gets quite a bit of visitation within the summer months. Um, and we, were, um, we have actually been monitoring uh, bacteria since 93 down there. Um, 1993. We've been we're we're required by the National Park Service um, to uh, monitor uh, for swim beach bacteria. Um, so we started um, actually yeah, back in 1993. And um, and what were you finding at that point? What give again? Um, most listeners aren't going to be scientists, so they'll need to hear it in in lay terms. What, what were you finding back in 93? And and maybe talk about maybe some changes over over time. Actually, through, throughout the history of our monitoring, um, the levels have been very low. Um, In other words, it's, it's low pollution. Low pollution, mm-hmm. low levels of bacteria. Uh, the, the Enterococcus that, is, uh, that Jane mentioned, that's the uh, indicator organism that we um, are testing for, is uh, actually, again, an, an, an indicator mm-hmm. of bacteria that can be harmful mm-hmm. uh, to humans. Um, and so we... Uh, have been t- we normally tested once a week, um, and we did this Monday mornings um, as early as possible during the day. And then what we did is we sent our samples to a the state lab uh, in Augusta. But the problem that we had at that point was that uh, because of the, the shipping and the analysis time, we didn't get our results back until Thursday at the earliest, just because of the incubation period for the samples and the, the time it took uh, to ship everything. So we were really um, unhappy. So if, if, if there was a problem, uh, swimmers wouldn't hear about it until three days later. Exactly. Right. And then, and then the, uh, the protocols that we had, uh, just as we have now, the then the first course, if you do get an uh, elevated level, the first course of action would be to retest and see if the problem still persists. Well, then we'd have to wait for another mm. week. So that, that just really stuck in our craw for mm. the longest time. And um, I had really been keeping my eye open for a way to improve the, the promptness of the analysis and the reporting. And so actually it was last year um, when I read a newspaper article about the uh, MDI Water Quality Coalition's uh, entrance into the uh, monitoring of, 
uh, Bar Harbor for the main healthy beaches that I decided to get back in touch with Jane, who we'd worked with over the years, and see if there might be a way that we could take advantage of the analytical uh, you know, procedures for main healthy beaches. And that was, the, that was the magic bullet at that point. That was great. We, we talked a few times and then met with Esperanza uh, this spring. And now we've uh, adopted the, the main healthy beaches protocols, which are um, very similar to what we did before. They're certainly covered, um, um, cover all the requirements that the Park Service has. Um, and the testing is done locally, again, at the MDI Biolab by the Water Quality Coalition staff. Um, so we now sample on Wednesdays, and we have our results by Thursday. Um, and thankfully, uh, things have been very clean this year as well. So Great. And, and Acadia being, uh, for the most part, um, a kind of natural area, what would be the sources of pollution that you might encounter if, if, if there were any? Um, I suppose beavers upstream are one, one source of that. Yeah, uh, especially at Sand Beach, that's that's one area where um, we're kind of have our eye on the on the natural habitat a little bit more than human induced. Mm-hmm. Um, the we we test two sites um, at Sand Beach. Uh, we test the ocean in general, where uh, in in the little cove there. Um, but then there's also a kind of a brackish lagoon uh, at the end that's all, often popular when there's enough water in it for. Uh, children to mm. to kind of wade in and things like that, but that's kind of emerging from a small wetland as well, which does have beaver activity and birds and everything else. So there are plenty of uh, natural sources of bacteria that you know we're we're hoping aren't going to affect things, and so far that's that has proven to be the case. Mm. Um, but but that area is actually a little bit more of a concern among visitors, I think, at least. Uh, from the comments that I've gotten from local residents, um, a lot of the mothers that bring their kids there are, are very curious about that. So uh, we wanted to make sure that, you know, folks knew that that was it was on the radar screen and mm-hmm. that we were keeping our eye on it. Um, uh, as far as the um, the beach in general, um, the ocean aspect of it. I mean, certainly just the numbers of people are are going to cause some. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, potential inputs, mm-hmm. but, um, but so do you use an educational program with um, uh, beachgoers to help? Do you help them understand some of their responsibilities? Are there uh, signs posted or that sort of thing that help them remember that the beach is not a bathroom? That, that sort of thing. We're we're still in the process of ramping that up. Uh-huh. That that's the one um, advantage to the Maine Healthy Beaches program that we hadn't before. And we're still trying to work that through the whole administrative <laughs> you've a, process. You've got a big bureaucracy yeah, there. <laughs> we have a lot of red tape to cover before we get to there. But hopefully yeah. um, we're, we're going to work on that and get that in place uh, at some level so that we can, uh, you know, because it's a very important message to get across. And, and you know, that was another advantage that I felt we, we really needed to, to have. So Great. it's in the Great. works. Good. Well, we'll um, come back to both of you in a few moments. Uh, you're tuned to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We're talking about healthy beaches and healthy boating. 
And uh, a little later on, if you'd like to give us a call with a question or comment, um, please note this number, one 625 9378 But right now we're going to go and speak um, by phone with Pamela Parker. Pam is the uh, works with the Maine Department of Environmental Protection and uh, is um, helping to sponsor something, um, work on something called Healthy Boating. So welcome to you, Pam. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, why is uh, Maine Department of Environmental Protection interested, and, and how did you come to um, begin working with Esperanza and others on the Healthy uh, Beaches program? Well, sure. Um, obviously, Maine DEP is interested in any uh, effects that, um, any discharges that affect public health and the environment. That's our primary uh, goal in life is to mediate those effects and regulate those effects so they don't, they don't um, harm public health or the environment. Uh, personally, I've, been, I, I've gotten involved with this. Um, I've, I've been a lifelong voter, and um, for the past 15 years, I've been working specifically in the DEP on sanitary discharges, predominantly co- to coastal areas. And uh, mostly um, in the last five or so years, specifically from boats. Um, I've, I've, I worked with uh, uh, another colleague of mine named Petty Richardson on developing um, one of the sort of national precedent-setting uh, cruise ship regulation programs um, that, that regulates the discharges of sanitary waste from cruise ships. Um, and uh, I also run the Clean Vessel Act. Uh, grant program, which is the main pump-out grant program, which helps uh, folks install pump-out stations to help boaters pump out their holding tanks where they hold their sanitary waste. Um, so that's, that's really been my involvement so far. Um, I also I regulate other discharges, <clears throat> and we have improved the regulation of of those sources, whether they be, you know, houses or commercial facilities or industrial facilities, as those have improved, as the, as the discharges from those have improved, we've noticed more and more the impact of non-point source pollution and the impacts from, from smaller and smaller discharges, like boats, um, you know, like stormwater discharges and, and all that kind of stuff, and how immediately that does affect um, public recreation, um, because bacteria specifically is a public recreation issue. It can also sort of be through a backdoor an environmental um, issue because of biochemical oxygen demand and nutrient loading. Um, but anyway, that I can go into more later. Did that answer your question? <laughs> That's great. That's great. So um, traditionally, um, I think we can safely say that uh, boats, um, when you are on the open seas, um, boats... Um, took care of their pollution in the time-honored way of tossing it overboard. And that's changed in, in the last um, several years, especially as we've become more aware. Um, and you've mentioned the, the role of pump-out stations. Uh, just talk about um, how that all evolved. Sure, sure. Um, well, actually, it may come as a surprise, but since 1976, um, boats with installed toilets have been prohibited from discharging directly into waters within three miles of the coast. Um, they were supposed to use a, a treatment device, um, and those treatment devices were supposed to operate to reduce the amount of bacteria and solids to a certain level. Um, unfortunately, as many things on board boats, 
you mix electricity, salt water, and fecal matter, and, and you have a problem on board a boat. And so often they were bypassed. So the time-honored solution was to bypass your treatment system and go directly overboard, which is perfectly legal outside of three miles. Um, and I think out there you can say that dilution is fine. Um, however, when you get into the coastal areas you and, and you get the higher density of the boats, you know, that does not hold um, any validity anymore. And um, uh, just a small amount of untreated waste can really impact not only beaches, but water quality and, and all of the other issues associated with that. So what we've really been trying to do is um, educate boaters that they really need to use their marine sanitation device, and those are those treatment devices, because they do, um, when they work, um, they do reduce the amount of bacteria areas to use um, a holding tank and the main pump out grant program has been trying to get pump out stations in all the major boating harbors and actually most of um, there are approximately 350 navigable harbors in the, in the state of Maine and we actually went through a ranking process where we ranked them for environmental sensitivity um, and flushing and other sources and the number of boats and we prioritize them and and our goal is to have a pump out within four miles of the top 100 harbors and we're almost at that goal right now so we've we've more than um, doubled we've almost tripled the number of pump outs in the past six years on the coast of Maine. Right. I have a brochure that Esperanza Stancioff referred to earlier, and it's got um, a list of, I think, 84 um, pump-out stations. So that's, that's, that's pretty close to your, your hope for 100 um, uh, of the top um, uh, places. Right. So how does the Healthy Boating uh, Program work? We've got this brochure, but um, how are you hoping to influence uh, boat owners, boat users? Well, the, you know, the, the main thing that we try to, to, to get across is that you know, you're enjoying this resource, and we all want to enjoy this resource, and so we don't want to spoil this resource. And I found um, actually one of the most effective ways to, to, to tell people this in one manner or another is say, well, you know, don't put anything into the water that you wouldn't put into a bathtub if you were sitting in it. Mm. Um, and, and that sort of brings it home um, because a lot of people think, well, you know, here I am, I'm one boat in a, bo in a harbor, and maybe there are eight or nine or ten or twelve or fifteen other boats in here. But, you know, it doesn't matter if my waist goes over. And we've been trying to educate people to say that, yes, it, it really does matter, and to become stewards of the water and to manage their waste, whether it be solid waste, whether it be uh, pet waste, which is another significant source, or, um, or even petroleum, and, and just try to be very responsible stewards and, and understand that pollution is not the solution to, to dilution is not the solution <laughs> to pollution. Especially in, in Maine's harbors. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And so these brochures are, are one way. Um, are you, um, and you're trying to get those to as many boaters as possible, perhaps through harbor masters and so on? Yes. We're trying to get them um, through, uh, to uh, boaters, through harbor masters. Through marine facilities, I just received my big shipment. Thank you, Esperanza, and um, and we're going to be heading those out to all um, all the places that have pump out stations and all the major sort of marine facilities that we can get to hand them out to people. Um, and because it's a wonderful brochure, it's very succinct. We've had other programs in the past that we've um, done little trifold brochures that 
have gone out to Laker, Lake Boaters and, and other places, and so we're just trying to do that again. We also um, have started last year, um, Maine implemented its first no-discharge area, which is the entire Casco Bay. And what that means is that boaters have to use their holding tank. They can't use those flow-through treatment devices. And so as we implement more no-discharge areas, that's going to bring the issue of, of holding tank waste and managing your sanitary waste better really to the forefront of boaters' minds. Great. Well, stay with us, if you would, um, for a few moments on the, on the phone, and we'll see if there are listeners who have questions, comments, or their own experience as we talk about healthy boating and healthy beaches here on WERU, Talk of the Towns. The number toll-free is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or locally 469-0500. Perhaps you've got a question for our, our guests who are in the studio with us, uh, Jane Disney of the Mount Desert Island Water Quality Coalition, and Bill Golly, a water quality specialist of Acadia National Park. And on the phone with us is Pamela Parker of the Maine Department of Environmental Protection, and uh, she's also um, kind of helping us think about healthy boating. So give us a call, one 625 9378 or locally 469-0500. Um, Jane, you've got some of those brochures you're trying to pass around to some of the people that you work with. How, how do you think that they're, they'll respond to that? Well, I have to say that um, both of the major swim areas where we're doing um, monitoring are also marinas. Mm. And so boats are always a concern, um, especially uh, in Bar Harbor where we have 91 uh, cruise ships visiting this year. So... Um, I have to say that our harbor master has just made it clear to everyone who visits uh, Bar Harbor that um, it's that they should hold all waste. I mean, mm. they're, you know, it's not that we're a no discharge zone, although that would be a nice thing to to be in the future. But uh, I think harbor masters can uh, make it clear what the expectations of the harbor committee and and the towns are, and and people can just respond that way. So let's come back to the issue of cruise ships, but we do have a caller right now. Um, please identify yourself and where you're calling from, and go ahead with your question or comment, please. Oh, hi. Um, this is Rachel from Cushing. Um, I just think that on every public beach there should be um, some kind of bathroom facility because, um, you know, a beach is not a bathroom, but there has to be an alternative that people actually can use. Mm. So in, in the town of Cushing, um, how, would you, how might you imagine getting that done in your neighborhood? How would you um, approach um, town uh, uh, officials or state officials to try to encourage that? Any ideas? Um, well, I, there, it actually doesn't seem to be a, a public beach in Cushing. Um, um, I've been going to the Crescent Beach. Um, one, it's kind of near Rockland and South Thomaston. It's a, a beautiful beach. Um, and I, th I think it would be really helpful um, either to, you know, build a little structure or, or I know it's unsightly to have a port of sand, but it would be healthier for the beach, you know, to offer one. Great, great suggestion. Thanks for calling this morning. Thank you. 469-0500 or toll-free 625 What do you think about providing restrooms um, at 
all of our swim beaches. Um, what would that cost, and how would we get that done? Give us a call if you've got an idea, or I want to talk about some other aspect of healthy boating or healthy beaches. Um, Jane, both you and, and Pam Parker talked about the, the cruise ship issue. Um, maybe you can start. You've um, done some research um, through the Mount Desert Island Water Quality Coalition around the cruise ship issue, and then um, we'll get some comments from Pam as well. Well, we actually um, have citizens monitoring around cruise ships when they visit to assure ourselves that there aren't any discharges coming from the ships. And I have to say that um, there is legislation that would permit uh, discharge from advanced wastewater treatment systems at this point in Maine. Um, but so that's on board the cruise ship. They, they, they have that capacity. Right. They could use that system. They could. Um, however, none of the ships have applied for permitting in Maine at this point in time. So they should all be holding that waste, even though it's um, pretty highly treated. Um, and once they get those permits, then, you know, our we would continue monitoring just to assure ourselves that these systems were functioning as, as they're expected to function. But we, in the past couple of years, haven't picked up any bacteria around any visiting cruise ships, and we're feeling really encouraged about the good stewardship of um, the cruise industry in Bar Harbor. So I can imagine um, you've got a very small boat going out to visit a very big boat. Is That's that right. how that works? That's right, and we go around to where we know their discharge area would be and monitor uh -huh. right in that area. Yeah. Uh -huh. Great. Um, Pam, um, you, you had a role in, in some of this, too, uh, if you could. Sure. Um, well, what, what Jane was talking about, actually, the, the research they did was uh, critical to our um, success in getting, the, getting through the legislation that um, regulates cruise ship. Prior to uh, the legislation that, that Jane spoke about, which was implemented a couple of years ago, um, cruise ships were subject to the same standard as every other boat, um, except that their, the volumes of their waste were so much larger. And, you know, they're essentially floating cities. And, you know, they, they could be discharging, you know, 400,000, 500,000 gallons per day of uh, gray water and black water combined. And so um, back a couple of years ago, uh, there, was a, there was an effort to, to first prohibit and then um, it was decided to actually just regulate the discharge of cruise ships. Um, and Maine was the first uh, state to do that under the, non, uh, the National Pollution Discharge Elimination System. And, and the way that is structured is that just like a municipality or anything else, if a cruise ship wants to discharge their wastewater in the state of Maine, they have to apply for a permit. At the beginning of the season, they have to demonstrate that they can meet the standards, um, similar to a publicly owned treatment works, and then they have to do monitoring and they have to do all this other stuff. And um, one of the sort of um, unspoken hopes was that they wouldn't want to do that and they would just hold their waste, which they've always had the capacity to do. And in fact, just as Jane said, that's what they're doing. Um, and um, it really has been fantastic. Jane's group has noted some um, smaller cruise ships or, or some smaller cruise lines that maybe didn't get the word or they, or they weren't quite as um, conscientious as some of the other cruise lines. And, and they actually, the monitoring in Bar Harbor picked up on those. And um, so it's really been a, a, a fantastic sort of synergy. And I think the, the, the short answer is, is that cruise ships aren't discharging in Maine. Great. Which is great. And they're not even discharging gray water. Um, all other boats 
can discharge gray water. Um, that and gray water being defined as? Um, everything except toilet waste. Okay. Um, and except in no discharge areas. But cruise ships have to um, have to have all of their wastewater is regulated. So it, and that's cruise ships, I should say, over a certain size. It's over 250 passengers. Um, so that's, you know, it's a great program, and, um, and the monitoring done on, in Bar Harbor was, was critical to that. And, and Jane mentioned something that um, local efforts can have huge impacts on boating, whether it be the marinas themselves when they um, have agreements with their slip renters, they can they can say we don't want you to discharge, um, and they can they're the best ones to sort of start that regulatory process. Some marinas don't want to do that because they don't want to be the heavy, they don't want to be the bad guy. Um, but you know, local local officials can make it very clear that that you know water quality is very important, and um, that we really would like you to not discharge at all in in our waters going to be going through and and make and making all the major boating harbors no discharge areas anyway great stay with us if, if you could I'll, I'll list our phone numbers one more time one 625 9378 or locally 469 give us a call with your comments or your suggestions about healthy boating and healthy beaches um jane you've had a good amount of experience and and bill you've probably observed um some of that uh, about kind of getting local people involved in policy changes not mm-hmm. just in monitoring but in helping to create the kinds of things that um, pam has just mentioned in terms of the, the local ordinances right. talk about that process and bill if you've got anything to add um, please do so Jane? Well, our organization is actually a non-advocacy group, mm-hmm. and so we don't necessarily suggest that an ordinance change is the solution. It, it might be one of a number of uh, tools that, that a town can use to, to try to achieve the goal that they want to. Um, and I do think that the town of Mount Desert decided that an ordinance was uh, what it would take to get uh, inspection of above-ground sewer lines and repair of, of above-ground sewer lines. So that everybody was feeling they were treated equal. That's right. right. And um, that, and so then that ordinance went to a town vote, and it was voted in at, at town meeting. And so in that way, I think people feel like they you know, made this agreement amongst themselves that this is an ordinance they needed and this is the way they were going to live. So mm-hmm. June 1st, they get inspected. By June 15th, they're repaired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's made a big difference in Mount Desert. Uh, we haven't had the, those kinds of ordinances come into play in Bar Harbor, but we've just had a lot of responsiveness on the part of the town to, to try to address stormwater issues and shoreline issues that have led increasingly to better water quality in Hull's Cove and in, um, in the town beach area. So I think that towns and residents are working together. We've never had such a clean summer, and I have to think that, you know, step by step, we've just kept moving things in the right direction, and people are more educated, and, um, and that's why things are looking better. Great. 1-800... Uh, excuse me, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. 625 Feel free to give us a call. We do have a caller online. Go ahead, identify yourself if you would, where you're calling from, and what's your question, comment, or experience. Hi. Yes, good morning. Uh, my name is Jesse, calling from Waldo County. Great. And um, uh, quick comment on the caller from coaching. Um, uh, I was going to say this radio station is probably a great advertisement for your concern and and maybe somebody will will uh, help you out in that area of getting a. I, I would say that you know the person that manages or owns the beach would probably be the best person to contact, and then they could redirect you to somebody who uh, 
who could really help you out with that. Uh, uh, admission to the beach or just donations. Uh, I'm sure that kind of it, it's not a high cost to get a bathroom on that beach. Um, and that may open the door for something else, other work that may need to be done in that area. Great. Um, somebody that could manage that. Uh, I had a question for all the, uh, the guests here, and I was curious if you could just, sounds like things in Maine are pretty, pretty good as far as pollution concerns. Um, and, and, it's, and it's reassuring to know that there is monitoring being done. I'm just curious, curious if you could highlight some things that are, um, oh, geez, how do I put it? Uh, anything that is of immediate concern as far as anything that's, you understand what I'm trying yes, to Yes, so, so things that we might be looking for that are coming down the, the pike or, or trends um, that we may be wanting to be aware of. Um, yeah, well, it sounds like that's generally what's being addressed already. I was just wondering if there was anything more serious. Okay, okay. great. We'll Thanks. see if our guests have a comment. Thanks for your call, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. if you've got a question or a comment. Um, are there other things that we ought to be concerned about, Jane or Bill or, or uh, Pam? Um, Pam, first, uh, are there other things that are on your agenda to be quality issues? Well, I think um, if, if I heard the caller right, there there are, you know, there are beaches that, that continue to have um, bacteria problems. And I know there are a couple um, that that are in, or one at least in the in the calling area, that might be particularly concerned, and that's the, the little Camden Town Beach uh, just south of Curtis Island, um, they've had some higher bacteria numbers there, and, and that may be directly related to boating. Uh, Camden's a very busy boating harbor, and um, and so, you know, I think that's I think that continues to be an issue. I think what we've touched on, you know, regarding um, you know just responsible management of of waste. Uh, stormwater continues to be an issue. Many communities are, are investing huge amounts of money um, in trying to separate the stormwater from the sanitary sewers so there aren't any overflows like there have been historically. Um, I know that Rockland's been doing some great work with that, as has Camden, and I think Bar Harbor probably has as well. Um, and that that's an issue. And people need to think that, you know, when they see a storm drain in the road, that may be a very quick conduit to the ocean. And um, one of my pet, pet peeves is, is picking up after your pets. Um, and that, that's something that people can really do um, all the time that has an impact both near and far on the water and on the local environment. And, um, and picking up food waste. You know, so I, I hate it when I see, you know, people throwing bags out the window of McDonald's or whatever, um, because then you can have birds, and the birds can poop in an area. and It, it, it all makes a difference. Mm. Just good housekeeping. <laughs> great, great. Well, let's get some comments from either Jane Disney or Bill Golly about things that we might be um, looking for or um, beaches that still are uh, kind of under-monitored. Do we know about those kinds of things? Bill, you're, you're responsible for water quality in a whole national park. What are the things that you're looking at? Uh, we have our, as you as you say, uh, you know, have our eye on a on a wide variety of components. We're not looking only at the bacterial end of things. We're also looking at the effects of acid deposition, you know, acid rain and so on, um, nutrient. So there's there's a 
you know, plus contaminants such as mercury and things like that. So there's a, there's a pretty wide range of things that we're trying to keep our eyes on. And we have a variety of monitoring programs that, uh, that do that. Um, as far as kind of staying on the, on the topic of the bacteria end of things, I think we're fortunate in a lot of ways because the areas that surround most of our swim beaches are uh, basically managed by the park. Mm-hmm. So we have some control over what's happening in the infrastructure and the, and the uh, you know, natural environment. Um, so re- really the wild card in, in our situation is the, uh, the visitor behavior and practices and things like that. So that's where really the information and education components are very, very important because we have to um, you know, make people aware that, that their behaviors um, – you know, do have an effect on, on what's happening. And uh, there was a mention earlier on uh, feeding wildlife and things like that. And that's, that's one of the messages that we try to get across for, you know, a lot of other reasons as well. But, I mean, it certainly uh, holds true in here. So I think our biggest challenge is to keep the, the message out that, that uh, you know, this is your responsibility to, to help uh, take care of these resources mm-hmm. as well. Jane, any comments about um, things that we ought to be worrying about too? Well, I think that the single biggest issue on Mount Desert Island and maybe on the coast of Maine is development. And I think that stormwater runoff is is the big issue. And um, when it rains, it's full of bacteria. That's why in heavy storms, you know, every clam flat on, on the coast is closed in mass. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do see impacts. When it rains, it's coming down out of the watershed. It's coming from, from lots of places. It's hard to pinpoint. But the more we develop, the more we pave, the more roofs we put in, the faster the water flows and the more um, unfiltered it hits the bay. So we don't have uh, good vegetative buffers in places where we should. We don't have good enforcement of ordinances on shoreland development. And I think that uh, we really need to look at how much activity is going on on land um, and and how all that just as a conduit for water filled with bacteria from wildlife, from septic systems, from from dogs, from um, leaking sore lines, et cetera. I just think we've got to watch what we're doing, overdeveloping in areas where we don't have um, adequate sewer lines in place or sewage treatment systems in place or where we're going to overload the system with um, septics. I I think that that runoff is what will do us in if anything does. Mm-hmm. And your approach to this, um, all of your approaches, uh, starts with education but then may lead to policy changes, ordinances that um, really force people to, <laughs> to clean up their act, so mm-hmm. to speak. Is that mm-hmm. right? And and we certainly have been involved in sharing data with the comprehensive planning process in Bar Harbor and in Mount Desert as well. So I think when comprehensive plans are being made in towns that uh, and land use maps are 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 being drawn, that that people need to think about impacts on the ocean. We often make plans on land without Mm -hmm. thinking about where it's all going to end up. And I think if George Dorr were alive today, he would be trying to set aside marine sanctuaries the way you know uh, the the land refuges were, were set aside because there's very little protection out there for our mm. oceans, and that affects public health as well as ecosystem health. Great. Um, Pam Parker from Maine Department of Environmental Protection and the Healthy Boating Program. Any final comments as we wrap up? Well, I think, you know, and, and as Jane was mentioning some stuff, one of the, one of the impacts that I think we are going to see more and more of is um, nutrient loading on, on the coastal waters. And what does that mean, br- very briefly? Sure. That means that um, things like you would, fertilizer 
It's, it's intentional or unintentional fertilizer getting into the water. Um, and nutrients can come in on dirt, can come in via boat waste, it can come in via human waste and all sorts of things. And just like on land it makes grass grow, it makes algae grow in the water. And sometimes those can be harmful algae blooms, red tide, and, and brown, you know, brown algae blooms. And I think we're going to notice more of that happening unless we really do start to take responsibility of, of sort of cradle to grave on, on nutrient stuff. It cycles. And so we really have to, to be managing that. Gets back to stormwater, gets back to planning, gets back to all the issues that we've been talking about. Great. Thanks so much for being with us, uh, Pam. Thank you. Okay, that was Pam Parker, Maine Department of Environmental Protection, um, also um, with us, and I want to thank them so much for taking time out of their summer's days. Um, Jane Disney of the Mount Desert Island Water Quality Coalition and Bill Golly, a water quality specialist with Acadia National Park. Thanks. Thanks to both of you. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us on the second Friday at this time uh, for Family Radio Forum, and the next time we'll get together on August 10th, we'll be talking about working a, a balance between life and work. Um, family life and work, um, something we're all concerned about, I'm sure. The third Friday of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music here is a medley from Coronach on a Balnine House Highland music recording. Our shows are now archived at weru.org. Thanks again to our guests, to those who listened and called in. Um, that included Esperanza Stancioff of the University of Maine Cooperative Extension. She's coordinator of the Maine Healthy Beaches program. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good morning. The Voices stage at the 2007 Full Circle Fair will be alive with